If you're looking for the latest news, insight into what it means, and the sharpest opinion, there's only one station in Chicago where you can turn, and it's this one. We're AM560, The Answer. Top of the morning, Dan and Amy. Things looking up in uh, 2019. You had uh, 312,000 jobs created in December. According to last week's report, uh, you got uh, Elizabeth Warren admitting she's not a person of color. I saw that. She was in Iowa this weekend, went, went to five different cities, and that was crazy because someone asked her about, you know, why did you get the DNA testing done? And then she went on, like, I'm not a woman of color. I do not belong to a tribe. Better uh, inform Harvard Law School because that's not how they profiled her as a member of the faculty, but that's that's okay. We're still just get progress comes in fits and starts. Also... Hey, hey, hey. Uh, Thelma has found her Louise. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez has found Rashida Tlaib. And the two of those gals together are going to take the Democratic Party right off the... Well, I won't tell you how it ends. Ocasio-Cortez profiled by a restrained, because it's tough to restrain his giddiness, uh, Gloria Vanderbilt's kid there on 60 Minutes yesterday. Was he doing tequila shots? Because he did uh, for his New Year's Eve special. Missed in case that. You know. Oh, yeah. Did tequila shots and then talked about who his mom slept with. Like Marlon Brando. It was very uncomfortable. So he, uh, he and his girlfriend, Don Lemon, yeah. they dished? No. Yeah. Andy, or what's his name? Andy Cohen was with him. But a- yeah, yeah. They any, dished. Any body shots off uh, Don Lemon's uh, ripped abs? <laughs> no. No. Uh, but anyway, so now he's back to covering news or what's perceived as news. Ocasio-Cortez is the uh, thought leader, which I know is one of those phrases you're supposed to remove from your lexicon in 2019. But it seems appropriate for Ocasio-Cortez, thought leader of the left. She's got a uh, 12-year plan uh, to do a whole bunch of things, including uh, make America fossil fuel free. All the details aren't in place, but, you know, thinking big thoughts would convert the entire U.S. economy to renewable sources of energy in just 12 years, while guaranteeing every American a job at a fair wage. You're talking about zero carbon emissions, no use of fossil fuels within 12 years? That is the goal. It's ambitious. And How is that possible? You're talking about everybody having to drive an electric car? It's going to require a lot of rapid change that we don't even conceive as possible right now. What is the problem with trying to push our technological capacities to the furthest extent possible? This would require, though, raising taxes. There's an element where, yeah, people are going to have to start paying their fair share in taxes. Do you have a specific on the tax rate? You know, you look at our tax rates back in the 60s, and when you have a progressive tax rate system, your tax rate, you know, let's say from zero to $75,000 may be 10% or 15%, et cetera. But once you get to like the tippy tops, uh, on your $10 millionth dollar, uh, sometimes you see tax rates as high as 60 or 70%. That doesn't mean all $10 million are taxed at an extremely high rate, but it means that as you climb up this ladder, you should be contributing more. What a dissertation. Yeah, 70% more. She wants to tax the wealthy. Uh, I think what you Pay should do change is thing. stick to the breakfast club dancing routine that oh, she's yeah. uh, getting more positive press on. But she she wanted to make it clear, she's a socialist. Oh, yeah. But not in, like, the Castro, uh, uh, Venezuelan, Venezuelan 
you know, Trotsky way. What of my and my policies most closely re resemble what we see in the UK, in Norway, in Finland, in Sweden? Actually, they don't. No, they don't. In Sweden, Sweden the more make money you make, the less you pay in taxes. Well, in Sweden, the difference is, for example, and this is why Sweden often ranks ahead of America on economic freedom indices. So Sweden has Sweden has this thing called private pensions. Yeah. Sweden has this thing called school choice. Pensions. Yep. Um, I, I wonder. They privatized the railroad, the railway system there too. With this pending uh, L.A. school teacher strike. Um, so is Ocasio-Cortez supporting school choice in L.A.? Or is she going to stand with the teachers' union? She doesn't even know what she believes. She's a 29-year-old nitwit who's uh, captured America's heart and the Democrat Party. And boy, is it fun to watch. It, it, and it, it, there's, a fu there's a funniness, too. There's another moment in that 60 Minutes thing where Anderson Cooper politely questions her about all the things where she is, like, catastrophically wrong, absurdly wrong, $21 trillion Pentagon budget and these sorts of things. And she essentially gives the Trump answer, which is I'm directionally correct. The details aren't important. What's important is I'm morally right. It's fascinating. For more on uh, this topic and a dissection of Scandinavian tax policy, we're pleased to be joined by Jim Pathakuka, CNBC contributor and columnist for the American Enterprise Institute. Jim, thanks for joining us. Happy New Year. Hey, hey happy New Year. Um, so uh, what do you think about uh, about uh, Ocasio-Cortez's uh, ambitious, as she terms it, 12-year plan? Uh, well, listen, I'm, I'm a big believer on the factually correct side. I'm a, I guess I'm old-fashioned. Um, I understand, like, the, you know, having high aspirations and, uh, and high goals. But I think it's at least important that we know the politician understands that their goals are aspirational, um, going to be extraordinarily hard, realizes what the trade-offs are. And then last point, understanding the trade-offs, that if you want one thing, you may have to give up another thing. Um, I think that's really important. That's what you often don't hear about, like the costs and the benefits when you hear act people who are activists describe policy. And right now she's talking more like an activist uh, than a than a serious a serious policymaker, which listen, I think she's about the most important Democrat there is. She's changing the Democratic debate now. Everyone else is talking about a Green New Deal. You'll have other Democrats talking about you know much higher tax rates. So uh, yeah, she's a yeah, I don't know a, a thinkfluential. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, yeah, but, but, that's, that's a new word. Thinkfluential that yeah. could replace the thought leader for 2019. But did her. you laugh when she suggested taxing the wealthy 70 percent? Listen, uh, that's a high tax rate. Yeah. Uh, that's a tax rate I haven't seen in this country for a uh, since the 1960s. Um, and I, I, I think there's, I think there's somehow the idea that that, that 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 there is no downside because the economy grew fast in the past when they had high tax rates. You know, it was a very different economy, a very different tax code. Again, those differences uh, often get ignored, which is how activists talk. They don't give they don't give you the context. So she's still talking like an activist and someone pushing idea rather than someone who's going to be serious and really think about the differences between now and then uh, and the downside to perhaps doubling top, top tax rates at a time when the U.S. already faces a historic downshift in economic growth. 
You know, the, the other thing, it's a good point you bring up. Like, we have to have adult conversations with people about concepts that everyone should have learned in high school, like we live in a world of scarcity, which is what you were describing. But politicians, both sides, play this game because they know that the public isn't great at comprehending or wanting to deal with abstractions. So making choices, because we live in a world of scarcity, and also the concept of opportunity cost. So, you know, what didn't happen or what could have happened uh, or what did happen because you chose one policy to the exclusion of other, there are costs that you pay, and this is sort of the trade-off thing as well. So, yes, we, will people still get along if you increase the top marginal rate to 70%? Sure, just like they did previously. But the, hey, Dan, the, the let, impact let that would have. Dan? There has been zero research on the impact of high, very high tax rates on how people pick their pick their careers, whether they decide to become, I don't know, Elon Musk or they decide to do something else with their lives. Again, she, nor Paul Krugman, they have any idea, and that's pretty important, what people decide to do with their lives, not just how a higher tax yeah. rate affects revenues over the next you know, two years. Yeah, there's research on that kind of stuff. But like the bigger, longer term stuff that's really, really important, they have no idea. And they're just picking numbers out of a hat because the U.S. grew at a certain rate 50 years ago. Well, and, um, and, and, and also, also, too, isn't this just illustrative of the mind's eye here? So they look at, our, at people as revenue agents for the state. They don't look at people in terms of their personal fulfillment, development, contribution on their own terms. And so that's a real distinction in terms of worldview. Uh, it, it, it's it's understanding that you're dealing with human beings whose whose behavior is influenced by things, is influenced by incentives, and how you how the how policy encourages or discourages certain actions. One of the one of the key sort of breakthroughs that we had in this country is that uh, tax rates matter. They're not the only thing that matters, mm -hmm. but they matter how people behave. And she's saying, well. You know, to the extent she's thought it through, you know, that everything else would be the same, but we'll have a 70 percent top tax rate. And then in those other countries, they also have value-added taxes. All the money isn't coming from rich people. It's coming from everybody. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Democrats are very worried that middle-class people will not accept higher taxes for the plans because they don't talk about it, and they only talk about uh, people who make $10 million or more. All right, switching gears here. Dan mentioned earlier that December job report, U.S. added 312,000 jobs. The unemployment, though, went up to 3.9%. Why did the job numbers and the unemployment rate go up? Right, because, we, because the, work, the workforce, you have people coming off the uh, sidelines, the workforce gets bigger. So we really don't care about the higher unemployment if you have more people actively looking for work. So that's fine. I don't care about, no one cares about that 3.9% number. Uh, listen, it's a lot more jobs. That's great. Uh, it's pretty impressive for our economy that's you know, been this long uh, of an expansion. And, uh, I, you know, the economy should be, it looks like it will be slowing. We can still generate jobs. We still might see the unemployment rate uh, go down. Uh, but I wouldn't expect the economy to be better for the next couple of years as it, has, as it did uh, last year. Now, I know, uh, you know, kind of stock picking is not your uh, forte or focus. But it's a, there's an interesting data point I saw over the holidays as uh, the market was all over the place. Uh, Midterm election years, this is from some analysts, uh, the Dow was off 16 percent. It was a sell down of 16 percent, and that's about where it was at the end of the year. And uh, the year following midterm elections, this is Republican and Democrat presidents, up 32 percent. 
is that just more sort of fun with numbers or do you expect uh, do you expect this to be a, a good year to be in equities um uh, I am not a registered mm. representative. I understand. Uh, I am not a money manager. What I can say uh, is that uh, 2019 looks like a year of slower growth. Um, you know, that's not going to be great for profits. You have a trade war. Maybe not great, so great for profits. Right. Uh, I'm not going to tell you how to invest. Listen, I'm a long-term investor. You know, Dan, I know you're you're still a day trader. You, it's always the nineties for you. You're always you're go always go 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 nineties. I don't have it. I don't have that in me. Uh, God bless you. You know, it's a it's a high wire act over here, Jim. Uh, that's the <laughs> oh, way that's I live. A, yeah, that, that, that's how you you love the adrenaline rush. <laughs> Not so much. Well, you've got a family to look after, so I understand. You know, you got to be a little bit more reserved. He is. I know you. You like going all in every day, <laughs> all day. Uh, I'm a little more cautious. You know what the the problem is? I just keep watching rounders, and it works out for Matt Damon in the end. So I figure, <laughs> you know, at some point I got to be Teddy KGB. He is Jim Pathakukas, CNBC contributor, uh, columnist for the American Enterprise Institute. Jim, thanks for joining us. You bet. And he joined us on our turnkey.pro answer line. You're listening to Chicago's Morning Answer with Dan Proft and Amy Jacobson on AM560, The Answer. 